Hello and welcome to the Stress Sessions Mental Health Podcast with me, Luke. You're listening to Series 4, Episode 16, and this week I'm speaking to someone who joined the British Army at the age of 18, later moving into the world of media. She now has a successful presenting career in TV and radio, working with ITV, E4, Sky News, Channel 4 News and Channel 4 Racing. It's none other than Olivia Cox. Welcome to the Stress Sessions podcast, Olivia Cox. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. How's your day been going so far? My day has been sweltering. (laughs) (laughs) But otherwise, very good. I went to my hack in the hot weather. It's actually the gym, weirdly, because it's one of the most air-conditioned venues. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I'm living out of the gym, living in sweat-wicking clothing, which is really attractive, but kind of keeps you cool. Um, but yeah, my day's been good. How has your day been? Good, good. I've been working all day. I've got up, so I'm doing a 100-day run at the minute. So I'm doing 10 kilometres a day for 100 days consecutively, which is fun. Oh, man. So I did a 10-day on Sunday, and I thought I was nailing life, but... Ooh. I saw that. But that's your first... That not that your first run in ages, which is amazing? Yeah, so I mean, I go to the gym every day, but I hadn't done any run specific training. So I was a bit nervous. Um, I won't lie, but it actually went quite well, um, despite the astronomical heat. <laughs> it's it's yeah. horrible at the minute, isn't it? Because I, I went out this morning. So I got up at half six and went out at half six because I, I just thought it's, it's horrible. Basically, long story short, I went out in the hot, hot sun yesterday. It was like 32 degrees. Oh. And I almost died. So yeah. I thought, yeah. It's not even yeah. an exaggeration. Like, it's a real concern. When I crossed yeah. the line um, on Sunday of my solo 10K, um, I thought I was going to be sick because your body just isn't used to working under that kind of strain and that kind of heat. Um, so well done you for doing 10K and then again and then again. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's, so it's number 40 tomorrow. So I'm almost halfway. Okay. And what are your times going up or your times going down? they're very very different so so basically a few so it's about a week ago now my main running trainers broke so i you know those ones that almost got banned so they're the ones that almost got banned for somebody that ran in the london marathon with them a couple of years ago and they're the ones that got like the platform at the front okay yeah like the stretchy bit yeah yeah and basically i wore away the platform at the front so it's basically just hard plastic that i was running on which was not cool. Oh. Well, I so mean, I've that goes to show how much running you've been doing. Yeah. I mean, it's been so 400 kilometers tomorrow in 40 days. Or just for your own. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm doing it. So it's for myself because I'd done one run. Well, I'd done one 10K this year before that. And I'm, I'm a runner. I do like marathons and stuff, but I hadn't got oh, anything booked fine. in this year. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm unfit at the minute. So it's, it's hard. But I'm, yeah. so I'm doing, I'm raising money for Calm. Um, the men's mental health charity and survivors uk who are um it's basically men who have been sexually abused and they're both charities that are sort of close to my heart so 
I thought, why not? I'll, I'll give myself a bit of a challenge and see what happens. Well, I didn't expect this weather. No, I know. You chose a <laughs> specifically brutal time to do it. I mean, yeah. choose this kind of challenge in like winter, maybe. Because um, that was, I did the marathon, oh, actually, depressingly, a decade ago. And that oh, was my wow. big gripe that you have to train through the winter. But actually, maybe that's better. Because my thing was that I'd be waking up at like 6 a.m., eat my porridge, wait an hour, go out do my awful run it'd still be raining when I got back and then everyone else would still be in bed and I'm like hi <laughs> but then that's how how good is that as like a use of time though because you just sort of do it and you're like oh my god I've done this massive run yeah and everybody else is still asleep so I don't it's know good feeling. it's good yeah it's not so good when it's when it's this hot though no does it kind of destroy your day or <laughs> do you I'm, have a I'm, nice bath Yes, I, I mean, yeah, I've got it's it's a nice bin, <laughs> so you know you get the big green um, bins for your garden. Basically, I've got I've got the biggest one of them. I basically jet washed it all out, so there's all all the craps come out of it. Um, filled it with water from the tap, and then topped up with ice. And I've won like every couple of days. Good idea. I I really enjoy that your ice bath in a wee bin. Yeah, I mean, I've put some stories up on Instagram, and people take the piss, but it's, it works. So. <laughs> Try to sneak in and like wheel you off while you're in your bath. It's too heavy. I tried, my, my, yeah, wife, my wife got in. And I tried. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind when someone's in a movable bath. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny though because I look like I was going to grouch for a minute. So yeah, it's, it's all good. Oh, does it still have a a lid? Yeah, it's still got the lid. Yeah. Oh, now that is an accident waiting to happen. But it's good though because it keeps the water sort of cleanish, so no bugs can get in, spiders can't get in. Because yeah, I mean, I'm get... sure where there's a will, there's a way. Not to yeah. harm you, but you might have a floating spider one day. <laughs> oh, I won't get in that day. Yeah, true. Yeah, just let it do its thing. <laughs> Today is your day, spider. <laughs> Tomorrow is my. Yeah. <laughs> it's good it's so I mean in this weather it's amazing because yeah. I I had two yesterday because it was so hot I did my run sort of over lunchtime got in that afterwards and then it still it wasn't that cold in the evening but I got back in the evening watching Love Island through the window <laughs> so I that was quite good asking that was perfect I actually bought a paddling pool the other day and oh, I was nice. doing my research finding what size I wanted and I thought you know what I'm going to be a decent person. I have a communal garden. My neighbours don't want to see my paddling pool. So I thought I'll get one that will nestle around the corner. So I bought a kid's one from Waitrose. It is so big. It's like it? I can fully, so well, I can go, I mean, I'm five foot 4.2 and I can get shoulder, like shoulder to toes all the way <laughs> submerged. Like that is a big kid's pool. Like how yeah. many kids do they want in this kid's pool? They, I feel like this was false advertising because on the picture, it just had two tiny little kids. But yeah, it's worth. So we're just like superimposed, and they're actually huge kids. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that is beginning to sound like a real distinct possibility. <laughs> but if in doubt, get get yourself a wheelie bin. They're amazing. Uh, well, now that you said that, um, my brain is working overdrive to think: could I repurpose one of our communal wheelie bins? Because then at least you don't have to blow it up. See, that was the other thing with my one. It's one of those. It's got three rings, brightly coloured, kid-friendly rings. And um, I don't have a pump. So that was the first challenge. Uh, so that, um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I probably shouldn't do that. I probably, probably shouldn't admit that I did this. But I ordered a wheelie bin off the council website specifically for this. And they delivered it. So I was like... <laughs> do they ask... Oh, see, I would love to see this. Do they ask you what you want the wheelie bin for? Do you have to declare your purpose? No. 
No. Okay. Is that a I'm, ju- I'm just imagining like an MK sub. I live in Milton Keynes. So I'm imagining a Milton Keynes council employee or like Instagram page coming across my page one day and be like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> oh my God, if they come around to inspect your weaving. Ooh. It's just full of water. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I'm very pleased to you. That is a great thinking outside the box. I'm just trying to convert people as well. So, uh, oh, honestly, check back in next week. <laughs> I'll have wheelie bins lined up. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> what is the one song that puts you in a really happy, positive mood? So, I was thinking about this, and my initial thought was Me by Taylor Swift because I'm basic. I love Taylor and I really enjoy the video, and it's very upbeat. Um, so, that was my initial answer. But then I thought, I actually looked through my, I'd say Spotify and be cool, but I don't have Spotify. I have Amazon Music. And I, so I do I. Most listen- all the small things which I think is because I used to listen to it when I went skiing because it's a really good cadence for slaloming um and yeah it just puts me in a kind of happy it's what I run to as well it's a good plod I'm not going to sing it but you can imagine plodding to the to the beat shall we say <laughs> so yeah that's my I'll have two I like, I like Taylor Swift I like Blink 182 so great choice and I, yeah, do you know yeah. what I've I, I've just started listening to rock music when I'm running as well, which doesn't didn't used to work for me because I used to listen to like Chasing Status and yeah. bands like that. Rock music. I think it's since I watched Stranger Things that I started listening to that sort of music. I tried to get into Stranger Things twice. I gave it a really good go and it just got too weird after a while. Oh, like, really? I could deal with the lights going on for the kids. But then when things came out of the wall, I was like, mm, not for me. But my new hack for long distance running is... I'm very uncool. I listen to, I'd like to say podcasts, that's a lie. It's an audiobook and it's the same one. I listen to Harry Potter book two, read specifically by Stephen Fry. And that's also what I used to fall asleep. And I don't know why, but for some reason, it's the only thing that I really switch off to. Because sometimes when you're running, I mean, it is boring when you're running a lot and you just need yeah. to get lost. You can't, I mean, if you're thinking too much about external stuff, you're never going to, you're going to stop. Um so yeah, that's my new hack. That's all. I've never heard of that before. That's awesome. I've never, I've never known somebody to listen to an audiobook when they've been running before. Yeah, that really works. Podcasts are good too, but the problem with a podcast is you don't know if you're going to enjoy it. Like if it's new stuff. Yeah. I guess maybe that's good for you. That would probably be good because you're doing so many. But for me, doing a one-off 10k. To be fair, I did listen to music, but in the training runs, I training runs, training run, um, I did listen to Harry Potter. I might try it. I'll give it a go. Has to be by Stephen Fry. That's the best one. Yeah, I mean he's got a good voice, hasn't he? So yeah, so soothing. But then, are you, are you scared that you're not going to fall asleep while you're running? That has not occurred to me until now. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's very lame. I could I could probably recite Mr. Vernon Dursley of Number Four Privet Drive had woken in the early ball. I could recite the first chapter over and over again because the problem is, I, I that's the chapter I like. So I've, that's what I fall asleep to. So, yeah, you're quite right. I probably need to pay a bit more attention, look out for cars and stuff, just drift off like, oh, soz, Stephen was talking. <laughs> amazing. Uh, I, mean, I will try it, though. It sounds good. Okay. Stop tip. So this, I mean, this is sort of about you, this question. So you've gone from being in the army to a television and radio presenter, which both have their challenges in different ways. And I'd say that both both of those different roles have 
mentally tough sort of challenges but they're mm-hmm. very different how have you found yeah. that in terms of I mean you've been in tv and radio for a while now but how did that transition work for your, for your mental health and did it kind of help in a way because I mean being in the army must be quite mentally draining I guess yeah I guess the the biggest thing about leaving any kind of military environment is that you lose that sense of belonging um and that I mean everyone bangs on about camaraderie and but it really is a big thing and I think it's probably a similar feeling if you leave um a sports group or if yeah if you've been I don't know in a, in a boy band anything that has that real cohesion where you live and breathe together and you see each other every day and losing that I don't think I realized at the time how much I missed that um and it took a long time to realize that I was kind of looking for I felt like I'd lost my people so I think that was the hardest thing um because obviously there's the things like the loss of um any kind of command structure loss of being told what to do like organization the structure of your day um so that was a big learning curve but yeah the biggest thing was definitely the loneliness um which I really didn't expect because although yes you live in the mess or you live in barracks you also you crave being away from that so on the weekends you go and you're you bombast off to be with your friends and you love living that side of the life and then you don't really want to go back to barracks but once it's gone you suddenly realize that actually it's there's something very comforting about people going through exactly the same thing as you um and you make some of the closest friends because you can only be so cold wet muddy hungry miserable and not it's impossible to do that on your own um so you kind of bounce off people someone will have a hard day one day and then the next um and it's that feeling i guess of working as a team as well so if i was struggling to carry some kits someone else would carry it or someone's struggling to get over a wall for example on the assault course you help them get over the wall and I think moving completely out of the military environment onto civilian life kind of had that feeling of you're on your own um but then I've made some great friends and contacts within tv and radio I think it just it comes with a bit more of a wariness because you don't really know what someone's about you and there can be quite a lot of um front in media um, so you don't necessarily bond with someone on such a close level um, until you do something stupid like climb the O2 when you're afraid of heights or go on a zip wire or something like, as an event. And then you realise, actually, these people are my friends. Um, but I think I was probably quite guarded when I was moving around at first into media because um, I just didn't didn't know anyone, didn't know what I was supposed to do. Um, but then now I love it I, I wouldn't go back but yeah you're right they they both have definite stressors I think the media one more the stressor stressor is the lack of um stability um especially because I'm freelance so not knowing where the next job's coming from um and then of course there's the image thing which is so relevant at the moment and on Instagram, TikTok, you know, we're fed so much false information from filters and living your best life. And everyone's, you're told to be more positive and sometimes you're just not feeling positive. Um, but there has been, I think there's been a bit of a change, people like you, um, many accounts, many people actually actively coming out and saying, well, there was the hashtag, it's okay not to be okay. That's a bit old now, but that feeling that actually life's not perfect and quite frankly, when I'm scrolling through Instagram, I'd probably rather see someone being like, whoops, like, 
I don't know, knocked over the bin and, and the ice went down into the neighbor's garden and it was a disaster, then someone really thriving all the time because that's when you feel alone again. Um, so yeah, similarly, I guess you can feel alone at any time, but those, I guess, are the main struggles. Because I, I, I saw on your Instagram, and I think I might have been across all the social media, but you put up the post, I think it's a year, just over a year ago now, when you put which which of these photos is me struggling. Oh, yeah. and it was all of them and I'd, I've seen a few of them but like that that had quite a big impact on me and like a lot of them do because you just don't realize don't you when people are struggling so yeah. when I come across those sort of posts I'm a bit like do you know what that's it's brave to put that up but then it's just it's nice to see especially people that are in in, in the sort of public spot like, like like yourself putting those sort of posts up because it it kind of brings you back down to earth in terms of do you know what if that person's like on tv on radio and they're struggling like everybody's the same Every, everybody struggles in some way don't they so it sort of it reiterates how important it is to look after your mental health yeah i think almost one of the biggest dangers in our life is comparison and so i've got an identical twin sister and i've struggled with that she's struggled with that because we have literally a carbon copy clone of ourselves um so anything you do you kind of judge off that basis and I think it's increasing and it's worrying for, with younger people who spend so much time on social media and they almost interact through social media that that is such an easy way to compare yourself and so yeah I do I feel I have a slight responsibility sometimes to be real um, and although yes a lot of the experiences I have are completely awesome um, but there's all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes and there's the tears and the absolute meltdowns and the panic and the anxiety and everything is like a swan. You don't see it. But sometimes I think it is important to show those feet paddling under the water to keep you afloat. Um, just, you know, yeah, like you say, everyone does it. We're all human um, and nothing, nothing can prevent those feelings. And I think it's really important to, recognize them and sort of even if you don't want to dwell in a bad feeling you've got to like acknowledge it um otherwise it will come back and bite you in the arse yeah yeah (laughs) is is there like a particular experience that you've had where you've been like really anxious or dreading it or you've basically had fear of like doing it so I guess when you moved from being in the army into your television and radio career was was there a particular thing or experience that you think oh shit that was hard I think the main thing for me was for when I first moved into because I started magazines and then everything was going digital so I started doing some presenting and my big fear was being in front of the camera and I found that I could talk perfectly normally to people and then the camera was there and I was like oh god and you start worrying and there's that overthinking of the consequences and someone one of the videographers said to me Olivia what what are you afraid of and I was like um of looking stupid on camera and they're like okay break that down and they're like you're gonna look stupid whether you're on camera or not and then the primary thing you're afraid of is a chunk of metal, like an inanimate object that cannot hurt you, cannot harm you. Why are you afraid of that? And that really stuck with me because they were quite right. There, there was absolutely nothing to be afraid of. And that, that for me was a big sort of stepping over a hurdle really, because I was terrified of doing TV. Um, and I'm so grateful that I did it, but that was probably other than joining the army, the biggest step outside of my comfort zone that I've ever had. 
I think that's amazing. Like, and you wouldn't know because, I mean, it's, it's like your main job now. So, you know, you're just like how, I don't know. It's just amazing that you, you, you did that. And I, I guess it's kind of like people overcome those sort of hurdles every day, but to go from something that you're literally scared of doing to it becoming your main job is just incredible. It's incredible, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I mean, I'm a specifically odd type of human. I do quite like feeling uncomfortable. Well, I don't like feeling uncomfortable. I like the feeling afterwards once I've settled down. So, I mean, when I joined the army, um, I joined because a colonel told me I'd get paid to go skiing, which I did alongside (laughs) other things. And I remember the other reason was that when I went to a careers office and then I spoke to a colonel about officer recruitment, every step along the way I was being told you'll never get in you're too small you're too blonde like I wore a pink baby g if you can remember them watch and I that for me that's one of the things I need to spur me on is that disbelief um because I think I I grew up in a bit of a bubble maybe I I had a I was I had a very happy quite privileged comfortable upbringing um and sometimes it's like having a cold shower first thing in the morning it, it's just something to wake you up and I sometimes I just need that a little bit of a push to or, or someone to say you can't do that and then I'll go yes I can and I'll do it um so yeah that's just how I'm wired <laughs> I, I mean I, I've sort of had a similar journey with the podcast because I one of the reasons I started doing this is because I hate speaking I literally I hate it and the reason why I started doing this is so that I can speak to people who I guess I don't know, who like have no connection to me to, to try and overcome that. Mm. And I still build every single one of these up in my head of oh, what if the person hates me? What if <laughs> they just don't like my face? Do you know what I mean? And you oh. get that into your head. But as soon as I start, so like today, as soon as you start recording and chatting to the person, they're just another human being at the end of the day. Yeah. And they're just living their life the best that they can. So it's nothing to be scared of. And that's that's kind of, I'm so glad I started doing it because I I was petrified when I started doing it. I mean, for the record, you come across marvellously, just to throw that out there. Oh, but yes, yeah, you're, you're right. It's two people and both of us have come to this with God knows however many anxieties, reasons not to do it, reasons to do it, misgivings, whatever. Um, and I think it, it can be really difficult and it's, sometimes it's easy to put other people on a pedestal and assume that they're totally fine and they're you know they're gonna gloss through this and you're the only one and you're you you can end up feeling quite alone in your um anxiety or or worries um and I guess it's important to remember that actually probably the other person is feeling exactly the same regardless of what front they put on and present with um yeah like you say we're all human is is there an instance where you've sort of decided not to do something because of sort of like having bad anxiety or anything like that like looking back on your career is there sort of things that you've been like oh I could have done that but my mental illness or mental state or whatever has got the better of me um not specifically there are a few jobs that I went for when I first started um which when I look back now I realized that I wasn't in a in a sort of well enough place with myself to really sell myself so when you go to a casting it's like any other job interview you have to be there personable and there are a couple that I still look back on and think oh I could and I know I could have done it better but at the same time being kind to myself 
I know that I wasn't in the right place to do it. Um, and so, yeah, there are, there's a couple, but the, I think the outcome of those sorts of times, it's almost like that gut feeling. So if there's something holding you back, then it's probably something that you need to address in yourself, however many years it takes to realize that. It's a bit like dating. If ever I'm going on a blind date, I almost always get a gut feeling, oh, I hope they cancel. And I've, start, <laughs> I've started to try and rewire myself so that if I am going on a date and I do get that feeling, I cancel. Because it's, I guess, more taking ownership um, of those feelings which are totally valid rather than waiting and being this kind of fluid malleable thing um yeah that doesn't really answer your question but there you go there's just an insight into my no, no. habits i i like um i like the way that you put that you you look back on certain experiences and you sort of said that, that there's no regret in them because you knew that you weren't in the right headspace to to be able to do that job i guess and again, a lot of people will be able to relate to that because I, I've looked back at experiences that I, so for instance, like job interviews of jobs that I haven't got in the past or things that I think, oh, I could have done that a little bit better. But at the end of the day, you don't think those things don't happen for you for a reason. And mm. if you look back at them positively rather than going, oh, shit, I didn't get it because I, I was rubbish or something. It's because, no, I was in a difficult phase in my life. I was struggling a little bit at that time. And again very relatable to a lot of people I think I mean we're we're all our own worst enemies and we're so hard on ourselves and it's that age-old thing that every therapist under the sun I've ever spoken to says you know talk to yourself like you would talk to your child like talk to your inner self into your inner child and be kind um and I think when we're in a period of stress the easiest thing is to take it out on ourselves and that's actually counterproductive because then you end up in this little spiral of I'm not good enough um, you feel shame your anxiety gets worse it means that the next time you try you're probably not going to try as much because as humans we're designed to kind of try and prevent failure and protect ourselves um and in order to put yourself out there you really have to I th- you do have to be kind to yourself and if you don't feel like doing something or if it doesn't feel quite right listen um and just yeah don't do it is there a time when you've been in a, re- in a really dark place mentally and how did you manage to pull yourself out of that um I mean I guess the obvious one is when my ex was killed um uh, 11 years ago um and unfortunately I I didn't deal with that very well um and I completely shut down and I had this very warped belief that the strong thing to do was to not show any emotions just power on it was probably linked to military power on through don't like don't accept any help um and I thought for a while that that worked and these kind of self soothing behaviors of going out and getting drunk or over exercising or just shutting myself off and completely isolating myself for a period that felt glorious and I thought I was nailing it um and it was only kind of a couple of years ago that I really realized probably coincided with lockdown to be fair when I was forced to be on my own the pace of life dropped so I could no longer back to back everything Um, because previously I'd been sort of so exhausted that I never had space in my brain to think which suited me really well because I didn't want to think because when I did think I thought about that Um, and I thought that was just kind of how you go through life Um, and then eventually I got some therapy and I had EMDR which is the rapid eye movement for PTSD and also CBT cognitive behavioral therapy 
and it completely opened my eyes and the how I feel now I can only describe as it feels like I can breathe um so I just feel like everything's calmer um I can although as you'll have discovered I'm not great at scheduling um I can plan stuff and I can forward think because I I've got out of that awful it was like a cotton wool brain where I could just about process what I was doing the next hour but after what I'm doing tomorrow or yesterday absolutely not um and that was that was quite a dark time because I felt very alone and because it was such a long time since the incident had happened I felt I should be okay um and I also felt that any of the friends who'd gone through it with me I either felt bad bringing it up or I felt almost embarrassed because I had this feeling of like why the hell am I not over it um but I think that all comes around to not processing at the time um so it goes back to what I said about if you have an emotion if you have a feeling feel it like don't know fine maybe one day sit and listen to something really sad um and then the next day try and work through it and bit by bit it becomes less scary um so this big thing that happened was such a big um trauma in my brain that every time anything reminds me of it I just completely melt away I cry I go off get drunk do anything I possibly could to numb myself um and that was a horrible horrible time and yeah I'm so pleased it's over but the thing is though is that everybody I mean it's the cliche thing of everybody deals with different different things in different ways and you I guess putting off dealing with it properly was just your way of coping like that's that yeah. just the way you dealt with it and a lot of people do that um but then I guess other people will be like right I'm gonna go get therapy straight away to go this yeah but they but they but they might not be ready for it they might not be ready to process it then. I, yeah I've never actually thought of it the other other way around yeah quite possibly you're not ready yeah to process it I mean I yeah I would just completely endorse therapy but I, I, I thought there was a bit of a stigma around therapy, I'll be honest. Um, and I think that was part of my strength <laughs> that I thought I had was that I didn't need it. And I threw myself into, so when, so Dave died in the November and he and I had always said we'd run a marathon together. So I, after sort of a couple of weeks, I, I can't remember what happened that first month, but after Christmas, I remember thinking, right, screw this. I'm done with feeling sad. I'll run the marathon for him. That will be my closure. So then I did all this marathon training and what I didn't realise was that was whenever I felt sad or anything, when probably it would have been useful to voice that or at least write it down, maybe, maybe journal, anything to actually acknowledge it um, so that my brain could process what had happened. Instead, I would just shut my brain down, listen to music, listen to audiobooks, go for a run. Um, So I actually didn't allow myself the opportunity to think I need some help here um but yeah therapy is golden <laughs> yeah I've I mean I've, I've had different experiences with therapy because it lot again lockdown was a killer for me with therapy because I I had a bit of a traumatic experience just before lockdown which was oh. fantastic timing yeah. um it was in November before lockdown happened so it's literally like a couple of months um I didn't speak to anybody about it initially at all, not not even my wife. And she found that out during lockdown. And by that time, you could only have therapy on Zooms yeah. or on telephone calls. Yeah. 
yeah it was it wasn't good <laughs> it was yeah. it was it was difficult but it's i mean did you I, proceed with therapy on zoom uh i did because it was the only option so i i did about what was it about five sessions with with the same counselor um which which was okay i didn't i mean she gave me some good coping mechanisms mm. to, to help me which which it, they did work initially and then i got a specialist therapy for a for a charity which is a charity that i'm fundraising oh, for okay um oh. which which was good but on on the flip side they were very sporadic so you'd yeah. have you'd get somebody messaging you going oh we've got a slot available next week do you want some counseling then so you wouldn't sort of i guess plan it around when you would need it or want it it was based on when right. they would have the free session so it's, it's it was difficult but it's, i've benefited from it because i've been able to speak about it since so I guess yeah. that's a positive. Yeah. I mean, the, I guess the difficulty with not being able to plan for your therapy is that you can feel a little bit displaced. Like sometimes there's something quite nice about, yes, shit might be going wrong, but it's okay. I'm speaking to Nelly on Thursday. And then at least you've got something to work towards. Um, and it can, I think sometimes it can be almost just like a hand-holding exercise. Like sometimes because when I was having my initial EMDR was it had started just before lockdown and I I fainted a couple of times during it which they call I can't remember what they call it but it's basically when your brain just goes "Mm -mm, not today and so she said it was too much of a risk to do it in my flat because I live alone and you know I could faint and whack my head on my own so that stopped and we switched over to uh, talking therapy but even having someone to talk to or knowing that you can, which I guess is kind of where charities can be so, so much of a lifeline, literally on their helplines, because knowing that there is someone there, even if it's on text or chat or something, can be what can tide you over until, say you are on an NHS waiting list, that can be enough to kind of make you realise that you're not alone. Um, and yeah, everyone, everyone is going through something, no matter how big or small, um, and actually, that is unrelated. <laughs> Another point I found going through things like this, when I've had a really tough time about something, and then I'll speak to a friend, and they'll, I don't know, their dress has ripped um, at a wedding, and it was really embarrassing, and they've gone to absolute tears over it. And I'll be thinking, or oh, someone's, someone's, this was a good one, someone's pet dies, and they go absolutely like, they completely cut themselves off, cannot cope with it meltdowns after meltdowns and I'm sat there going it's an animal but what I've realized is that everyone's experience everyone has their threshold so what for me might seem comparatively not as bad because I lost a partner losing a losing a hamster for someone who's only lost a hamster they're still at the same level of grief that I was because that's their maximum experience so yeah that's completely unrelated, but I think, yeah, it was a <laughs> No, it's not. It's I, I think it's relatable because, again, it, it depends on what day you're on. It depends what how you're feeling on a particular day. One day, so this this was a couple of months ago now, but me and my wife went to Cambridge, hmm, nice. and for for some some somehow I was wearing a white t shirt and shit went down the front of my t shirt. Don't know how it happened. I had a meltdown. I had to go and buy a new T-shirt with Zara, bought a black T-shirt to make sure it didn't happen again. Because I was, I was, I literally suffer. I don't know why I've got this thing of, I don't like being, looking untidy or having, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a weird thing, but. I think that's completely acceptable. 
but stuff like that and again another another example is i was in london one day on the tube and somebody stepped on my trainer and it left a mark and it's on suede which isn't cool and again i had a meltdown i was like how why has this happened blah 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 and it's i think it's it, it depends on what day you're on hey, the the mood that you're in and the headspace that you're in on that particular day is completely it it reflects how you're reacting oh yeah stupid little situations that don't mean anything so it's kind of like if somebody's hamster dies or like you said yeah ha- ha- hamster, what, what do hamsters do like they just run around in a cage and like I, I, I mean I don't get it I don't I, I wouldn't get it but the the connection that somebody might have with that hamster on a, on a particular day might be yeah. one that but you'd have with a human tolerance window that's what I've been told in therapy so you're when you go through something your ability to tolerate gets absolutely squished down because your brain is so busy processing and tolerating this awful thing that this external thing or internal that's happened your window goes like this and this and this so something small like a minor inconvenience happens and oh my god it's a catastrophe um and that i think is part of therapy um is learning to get that tolerance window up so that actually you're in a place where you can cope with oh a bird pooed on my head a, oh, that, that, that's happened as well <laughs> they say it's lucky <laughs> I, I was on the way to work when I was at uni um and I was almost at the store that I worked in got shot on by a pigeon and no. just just again had a meltdown <laughs> I mean, I think that's quite a legit uh, meltdown. Also, pigeons, did you know? But all birds in general, they have no control. I didn't know this. So they don't have time to go to the loo. There's no, like, it's just when when their food hits that area, it just goes. So that's why sometimes they can do, like, a drive-by and end up, like, getting, like, five people in a row because it's just coming out. There you go. Nice little segue of disgusting. Did not know that at all. Didn't know that. (laughs) I like that. When you've okay going back to something else you said when when you've had therapy therapy before have you been in a situation where so for instance when you had talk therapy have you been sitting there one day and you've or or, or sat there beforehand waiting to lock onto the zoom or going to see the therapist and be like do you know what I've actually got nothing to speak about today and you have that fear of what am I going to speak about like have you had that I think yeah even with therapy there's a level which I struggle with of people pleasing so I often find myself kind of saying even to a therapist and that that should be my real outlet and I'll be like yeah I'm fine and it will take a few questions to actually be like are you fine um and yeah quite often I worry I'm like god how the hell are we going to fill an hour and I'm thinking god this can be embarrassing like sorry I've wasted your time um but I think all of those things are internal I mean there are there are also multiple times when I feel so rubbish and I can't be asked to talk and I just think I wish I didn't have to do this. And there's been times when I've nearly not logged on to um, therapy and I'm clean. I mean, it's, it's that cliche of you feel better once you've done it, um, but you do. But it's, that doesn't necessarily help because I know I'll feel better after I've done it. But I'm still sat there going, this is an hour where I've got to open up, reveal myself. And I don't feel like doing that. And please, can everyone just F off? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think all those thoughts are internal, aren't they? So they're, they're how you're feeling. And I guess, yeah, again, comes back to being human. You, you, can't, you can't help that. But 
I think it, I've never done it, but it would probably be quite interesting if you actually said those sorts of things to a therapist who said, you know, what, you know what, mate, I've got nothing to say and see what they say, because I'm sure they'd have some good insight into why that is. They'll probably be like, well, you're sitting in this position so that you must be worried about X, Y, Z. Because I've had that. I've had that before. I didn't I didn't specifically say I've got nothing to say this week. But I remember when I first started having therapy years ago and I, I used to, it was face to face um in this basically like i used to drive there park up get in my car for five minutes and be like right i'm gonna go into therapy now sort of like suck myself up for it and i've I've spoke about this in the podcast before but basically it's it's a bloke that had chairs that you either had to sit fully back on or you have to sit on the edge so if you sat on the edge he you'd you'd sit there which which i did because i felt more comfortable just sitting there like with my back straight and that's just how i normally sit and he'd be like right so what's up what's up today because you're sitting on the edge of your seat and I was like this is just how I sit <laughs> no option <laughs> yeah but, but that must have been his thing of his conversation starter of oh something must be up this week because you're not sitting relaxed and I'm just like well, I, I never sit relaxed unless I'm at home yeah even, even when I'm working I sit upright because that's just how I sit but that's interesting I wonder if that's like their tactic put an uncomfortable chair in the room and see what the person does because the therapy or or like the the classic shrink in American sitcoms always used to be lying on a couch now I've been to several therapists and I've never seen a couch but I mean when I when I did the CBT uh treatment one of the first things we did was a process called reliving so it was I had to talk through this day of the funeral that we'd um, established was a hot point for me and he told me to close my eyes and say it and he said that that was because he didn't want the fact that he was there to influence what I was saying or you know because you put you you do pick up on cues from people so even if a therapist you know glances down at their notes or or leans back subconsciously that might affect so I guess maybe it's a similar thing (laughs) if you're forward in your chair maybe you don't notice them I don't know I just, I just thought it's odd. I've never, so I've had, I've only had one face-to-face therapist since, and I, I got a very nice, comfortable chair for that one. So, but I was in a conservatory oh. in a house. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> well. interesting. Yeah. Well, that is uniquely um, distracting, probably. Yeah, it was again. It was like lockdown as well, so it's just a bit of a weird setup. But yeah, it worked. I got a little bit out of it. So. Yeah, well, that's that's all we want. I think as well when going back to the when you think you've got nothing to say to the therapist I feel like they're sometimes the best sessions that you can have as well because you go in thinking oh do you know what I've actually had an all right week and then when you get properly into it you're like oh I have got a lot to say yeah well sometimes there are times that you really think I'm fine I don't even know why I'm here like I'm clearly cured and then yeah halfway through they'll say something that spikes a response and you're like god I didn't even realize that was bothering me and then you you can kind of think back and you're like that might be why I cancelled that or I didn't want to do that or I left that early or yeah what is your happiest place in the world Ooh, um so I have a happy place that um I created with my therapist as my safe place which is weird it's um don't judge me it's my friend's George's wardrobe when we were younger that we used to hide in wearing stripy socks but other than that um probably 
So my parents have a place in Cornwall um, and it is so beyond peaceful um, that it's actually boring, which is quite useful sometimes. And that's probably my happy place because there's just nothing can get you. There's very little signal, very little distraction. Um, and it just, it's small. So it has that cozy, like hug feeling. Um, but then it's also got the sea, which I find incredibly therapeutic. So yeah, I'd probably say Cornwall. I like that. I like the wardrobe one as well. <laughs> I like that. When we were going through it, because they create this safe place so that if you're ever having a bad time, you can sit in a safe place. And they say, who are your heroes? Who make you feel good? Blah, blah, blah. So I won't reveal all about my safe place, but I will say that Hagrid guards my safe place and Tinkerbell flies around above me. So, it's, I mean, it was quite glorious in that wardrobe, I have to say. <laughs> it's, yeah, I like, I like. And going back to Harry Potter again as well. Always. Always Especially Harry Potter. My dating. I like you if you're Gryffindor. I think, yeah, maybe I need to stop reading Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? It's it's weird as well because the whole safe place thing. So when I was doing my last set of therapy with the lady in the conservatory, <laughs> she, um, I, I, I don't know what the actual name for it was, but I think it's like re, rewind therapy or something like that. But it's basically go back to the time, the, go back to the traumatic experience, go through every stage of it, think about every stage. Even, oh, even if really? It's really Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, well, that's what they called it to me. And it's in, in minute detail about what you can hear, smell, see. Yeah, yeah. And then and then you basically then replace that image with with a happy place, don't you? That's that's yeah. kind of yeah, it must be the same. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 I've yeah, I've never known anybody else that's had that before. So yeah. really? Yeah. I think it's well, I I was recommended it as a way to deal with PTSD um, or to kind of basically get your brain to process a trauma because I was described a trauma as your brain say this is the hypothalamus the bit where you can recall memory so if I said to you what did you eat yesterday and you go ah pasta Um, and that is coming from that part of the brain whereas if it's a trauma memory it's this so memories normally travel like this and they go into that bit and it's nice and smooth hope that doesn't look sexual but when you have a trauma it's got all these different strands of stimulus of sight smell sound da, 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 and it can't physically get into that hypothalamus thing so it just sits there dormant constantly trying and then when you let your guard down or even when you don't it's at those random moments so those memories will just be like hi um so that's why it was explained to me like that that was why we did the reliving to break off all those individual parts deal with them so they can safely travel be stored there if i want to think about the funeral i can tell you it was in bath it was a cold day but it's not just simmering waiting to be like there you go yeah i I like it and it it worked for me as well so Mm. yeah therapy is good (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've, I've spoke to a lot of people that haven't benefited from it, which is interesting. But again, it's one of those things where, again, different things work for different people, don't they? So, yeah, and it's about finding the right therapist and the right method because yeah. I mean there are so many. So, yeah, that, I guess that's understandable. On on like a day to day basis, is there like something that you go to to keep your kind of mental health well? And is it like because I mean you're really into your exercise, so you go to the gym. Is there one thing in particular that you can always go to? Yeah, so my main thing is this one exercise class I do. So I go to F45 every day, 12.15. People think I'm crazy because I travel 
45 minutes to the class, going past maybe 1,700 gyms on the way. But those people I found to be my people and they feel like my little squad. And when I step in that gym, I feel like I'm part of something. And even if I don't feel great outside it, I know I feel good once I'm in it. Um, And that was one of the things I struggled with during lockdown because that part of my routine, leaving my house at 11 o'clock to go to that class, it was suddenly like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, do I get out of bed? Do I, do I brush my teeth? Do I take my pajamas off? Like, what's the point? Um, and that was when I realized how much that meant to me. And uh, yeah, I think that is my big decompression thing is yeah, that class. It, it's kind of like what the running 10k a day has done to me because I, it's, it sounds ridiculous because I, I don't, I wouldn't say I look forward to it. I do it at different times every time of the day, but knowing that I'm going to go on a 10k run and get fitness in, I know that I'll enjoy it when I'm doing it unless trainers break. But again, that's that, that's the thing that like helps me every day at the minute that I know, right, I'm going to run 10k today. It's going to be my own space. I've got my own thoughts. I'm going to listen to podcast music, whatever. And that, yeah, it's pretty simple. I mean, it's not part of, not part of a group. It's just on my own. <laughs> But I mean, some, whether you're as part of a group or on your own, I mean, it's personal preference. Some days I would rather be on my own. Um, but I think because I live on my own nine times out of 10, I do crave that human, uh, possibly because I'm a twin as well. So I was literally born next to someone. So being alone for too long, although I'm, I'm learning to love my own time, blah, blah, blah. Um, I still crave that even just having someone next to me, it just makes me feel a bit more comfortable. But yeah, everyone's different. Cats or dogs? Dogs, 100%. Day or night? Ooh, day, day, day. There we go. That you convince yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always used to prefer nights, but, but I think that was probably more when I was struggling a bit. And the release of sleep was something I used to dread waking up um that sounds morbid but because it just felt like so much day to fill and I I couldn't wrap my head around what I was going to do so yeah I would always crave nighttime. but now I actually for the first time in a decade I'm getting up at 6 7 a.m and it's it's great so yeah except for when it's hotter than the sun daytime <laughs> yeah again the weather is horrible Mm. <laughs> um city break or beach holiday beach 100 percent. i've i find nothing more relaxing than the sea um and i'm a real water baby so if i could just sit i mean hence my paddling pool if i could just sit in water all day i think i'd be a very very happy person wrinkly pruny but happy <laughs> I, had a, I had a funny answer yesterday when i recorded one of these and it was beach holiday because I live in London, so why would I want to go to another city? I mean, you I can't like, okay. the logic. No, I thought it was quite funny. There are many cities that offer different things. City, no, city breaks, they're lovely. They they have their place, but... Yeah, yeah, I live in a city. Why would I want to stay in a city? I agree. I actually agree with this answer. <laughs> I, n- I now live in a city. So Milton Keynes was a town up till last month, and it's now a city, so... Hmm. What makes it a city? Do you have a cathedral or something? No, so it hasn't got a cathedral, but I think because the population is so large, they just thought it's a city now. Yeah, weird. Ta-da! Yeah, it's just sort of went around the rules. But no. my main memory of Milton Keynes is the roundabouts. You can yeah. just go through like seven to get anywhere. Yeah, 
yeah when when my parents yeah my, when my parents first started visiting um because we've i think we've lived here for about 10 years now when they first started visiting they had to go through 12 roundabouts to get to our house Oof, that's fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, the, the next one is radio or television television i just find it more comfortable now that i'm over my fear of the camera um i find i can interact more with a camera than just a mic and also i'm really lame at music so it's a bit awkward if ever i do like a music show and i'm like oh who is this justin bieber no that's a lie i know who he is because i'm basic and i like pop but yeah (laughs) anything cool nah I, I, well, I, I feel really out of the loop with music as well so yeah it's too difficult I'm, I'm still yeah so the, the thing that made me feel really old and out of the loop with music the other day was they've started remixing songs from when I was a teenager yeah like that, I like that. yeah I know what you mean yeah it's um it's sad but sometimes they're quite good no, it just okay, makes you're me... a classica. Okay, fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it just makes me feel older. I'm just like, oh, I used to listen to that when I was like 15, 16. No, oh, I do hate that feeling. Yeah. Mm. Be fair though, I still got ID'd sometimes for paracetamol. So I got ID'd the other day, and wow. I was like, no, it was so I don't drink anymore. So I gave up alcohol at the end of last year, but it was for mm. non alcoholic beer. They ID what? Fact, because it's still Should got. Be the po- definition of that is well, kid friendly, or does it have a tiny bit of alcohol in it? Maybe. So, so non-alcoholic beers, most of it has 05 percent alcohol in, which is exactly the same percentage as orange juice, hasn't it? No. Yeah. Fact. Juice is <gasps> I'm gonna tell my parents they were drugging me from a young age. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise until the other day I was researching it. I was like, that's madness. So why do you not get ID for orange juice? Well, quite. I hope <laughs> you told that bouncer. <laughs> madness. That's the next one is shoes or trainers? Trainers. All day, every day. Oh, I love yeah. it. What trainers do you have? Like, What's, what's your go-to trainers? Many. My favourite ones... No, the ones I'm wearing at the moment are... Um, I describe them as white Gucci trainers. They're not. They're they're cheap, but you know that vibe, like the the smart trainer situation. Not Gucci. Um, but my go-to ones are. I've just got Adidas. Oh, what? Wow. I do know the name of this. No, I don't. It's the <laughs> the one they bring out over and over again. People love them. I love them. Um, and they are white. And so, and my new hat. Someone talking about this. There's this Mrs. Beecham's, or that's not the right word, but it's some housewife thing. You buy these white sachets from Amazon, and you put them in the washing machine, and they get out all the dirt. So yeah, my white trainers have stayed white now for about two years, and quite frankly, that's a miracle. Oh, I'd have to try. I've not again. I've not heard of that before. And I've, got, yeah. I've got men. I've got many trainers. Look, I did I've got... the collection behind you. Yeah, that is <laughs> phenomenal. Okay, I'm going to send you the link. This is my my gem. My okay, gift. <laughs> I need it. I, I need to get the dirt out of those suede trainers that somebody stepped oh, on. Yeah, so. that makes me sad. Mm. Sorry for your loss. <laughs> the last one is at home or out and about. Home. I'm a real homebody. Um, yeah, definitely home if I had aircon. Currently, well, this is why I'm currently in a 
a dark we work because it has air conditioning because my flat's on the third floor and the windows are all down one side so unless I leave my front door open to the corridor I get no through flow it's a nightmare so home but preferably a home that has air con <laughs> yeah, when it's not home we work yeah exactly. <laughs> somewhere air conditioned basically yeah so, be fair, today I was at my friend's house, which has air conditioning. Then I went to the gym, which is aircon. Now I'm at WeWork, which is aircon. And I'm basically stalling and putting off being at home. <laughs> I went yeah. to Starbucks today spe- specifically just to get aircon because my work doesn't have aircon. It's absolutely fair enough. When my dad lived in New York, I, we went to visit him in the height of summer. And bear in mind, that as a child growing up in England, the cinema is a rainy day activity. And dad was like, why don't you and your sister go to the cinema? This was like July, peak heat. And we're like, ew, why? And then we went and it was blissfully cold. And I was like, ah, OK, I see what they've done here. So, yeah, anywhere that has aircon, it's the new, like, going somewhere to get the wi-fi now that it's hot you go somewhere to get the aircon. thank you that was lovely i really enjoyed talking to you oh thank you and keep in touch and send me the link for the trainer cleaning stuff i will i absolutely <laughs> will it's nah. cool well let's do this again this was fun yeah definitely thanks olivia all right take care speak to you soon bye, bye. This is an advert, this is an advert. Since giving up alcohol last year for my mental health, I've been searching high and low for a zero alcohol product that still has the great taste and quality as an alcoholic one. And I think I've finally found the one in Unlimited Beer. In fact, with a choice of lager and an IPA, Unlimited Beer has got me covered from all angles. Whether I'm watching football at home or planning a barbecue with mates in the warm weather, I can have a few cheeky bottles without the alcoholic content, and most importantly, without the hangover. Whether you're teetotal or are considering giving up alcohol for a while or are just sober curious, why not try unlimited beer? At just 23 calories a bottle, you just can't go wrong. And by entering the discount code LUKE10 at the checkout, you'll receive 10% off any order through www.unlimited.beer. That's www.unltd.beer.